Hola Foclinos. We wanted to bring in 2023 with the music makers, the music creators, uh, the music curators. So first week we had the Heartbreak Monday crew. Last week we had DJ Spinorita. And this week we have a two-parter, our first two-parter. Please believe it. We have the amazing Garth Trinidad. We have part one right now. And then next week we'll be dropping part two. His episode that dropped back in December 2021 was almost two hours. We released it all in one shot. But this time around we're going to break it up. We're going to break it up. So uh, here we go. Part one. Hola. Welcome to episode 56 of War to Your Mama. Today we have the legend, Garth Trinidad, a.k.a. Señor Trinidad. I asked him what he wanted his title to be. Because he's starting a new chapter in his life, kids. And his title now is, he's a Pisces and an Angelino. So this episode is about his origins and kind of the deconstruction of Garth Trinidad and him starting new chapters. You guys know, probably know him um, from KCRW, producer and curator of some of the most legendary events here in L.A. and around the world as music supervisor for Entourage but of March of this year, this is 2021, we're at the end of 2021, still year two of pandemic, if you will. March of this year, after 27 years at KCRW, he left and he's starting this new chapter. And before you would say, oh, Garth Trinidad, oh yeah, DJ, curator, but he's more than that, kids. And that's what we find out. In this episode, it was an honor and a pleasure to reconnect with an old friend that, as you hear from our conversation, the first time we met, it was like when I was my one of my first jobs interning in the music industry. And he just opened arms and we felt like a kindred spirit, a kindred connection. Um, it's great to hear the work that he's been doing where he's at mentally, in his heart. And uh, we talk about all that good stuff. We talk about staying safe in the pandemic, making those hard decisions about, you know, unfortunately having to break promises because these are very unique times, right? You got to feel safe. About ending lifelong relationships because, you know, your work, what you've been doing for a long time, what you put your heart and soul in, that that's a... That's a relationship and all the major transitions he's going through. We talk about things like past life regressions, um, his earliest music memory, how he actually graduated, got his degree from with illustration in illustration from Otis and how during that time, that's when he started DJing at KCRW and how at, during that moment in his life, music won over art. But now the rest is coming together. Um, his time as mu as a music supervisor at, at, for at Entourage, and how you know consultant versus music supervisor is a thing. Consultants being a consultant is going to win every time because of all the the things that really actually go into being a music supervisor. And you know, trying to move back into he's on the cusp of being going back into that visual art world, being a writer, telling us his stories and everything else is on the horizon. So let's get into it. Um, but does that, I can't really tell because my picture's so small. Does that look cool? Yeah. Yeah. You look fine. Yeah. You don't see my dirty laundry in the background? No, not at all. It looks clean and pristine. <laughs> Just to the side. <laughs> Garth, how are you, man? I haven't seen you in forever. Um, I'm doing all right. I mean, I'm like, uh, look, to be <clears throat> number one alive, um, yeah. number 
two, in good health. And number three, to know that to have, you know, friends and loved ones around me, like healthy, like my kids are in good health. And, you know, even uh, my parents, they're doing all right. Like, I mean, you know, they're elderly, so they have their issues and whatnot. But um, I'm just happy to be like in good health with like a pandemic still upon us. I mean, I'm gonna just be honest, like, it's, this is like whooping a lot of people's ass and, you know, mentally and emotionally. And um, I'm just, I pray for good health. I'm, you know, vigilant about my health. I try to be, you know, I don't know. I just, for me, it's like, I don't take it lightly. Yeah. And I even had, um, you know, booked the night with, uh, you know, Asul, who's basically like booking book and running uh, grand performances. Yeah. And you know, he had a huge responsibility um, for the summer because uh, it was like his first time, you know, and he basically was um, just hired on. And he was the guy that was going to reintroduce the new grand performances as things started to open up. And I wanted to do like a really small boutique show. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> and, um, <laughs> it's just something going down my throat the wrong way. It ain't not serious. Um, <laughs> oh, not stressed. We're not stressed. <laughs> it's like you gotta, you gotta give a little. <laughs> but uh, you know, like as as the time progressed over the summer, because we had like a late summer booking, it was like late August. I was like, like yo, like people are coming out in droves for these shows. I'm like, I asked them like, you know, I want to still keep mine like super small, just keeping in mind my goal. And the idea that it's still a pandemic and it's cool, everybody coming out, but I kind of like don't want to promote mine and maybe just have like 50 people socially distanced, you know, in the yeah. little amphitheater. And the game had changed by then. Like, he's like, dude, I'm so sorry. Like, we just have to keep the ball rolling. And I'm like, man, I gotta, I can't do the show. I gotta pull out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I gotta. Yeah. Exactly. You gotta do what you had to do for you and for your family because. Those, these are the times. These are these are the times. Um, I, I I shout out to Azul and I, I definitely want to reach out to him and talk to him and hear his story too. And I saw a lot of my friends, you know, go to the grand performances. You know, it was it was an amazing lineup. But for, it was an I mean, amazing. But Azul, I, the he, perfect guy for that. You know what I mean? Like perfect. that's yeah. He, that's his frequency right there. So I knew he was going to kill it, but I did what I didn't know what I underestimated was, and I shouldn't have, um, it should have been a safe assumption that people were just like it's ready yeah. to, you know, come out and just be around each other. And I'm just not there yet. I'm just like, yeah. you know, I got, I got teenagers. I got like, you know, I got kids that are going to school out of state and out of the country right now. So like, I'm, I'm on them. I'm like, yo, stay vigilant. Like, be safe. Just practice the little things. Like, don't stop. Wash your hands all day long. Don't all touch your face. Like, don't don't be around too many big crowds. Like, you know, be careful. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's hard, and it's oh, so hard for kids. I mean, you 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 have a son, and I just I feel like kids probably got it the, the hardest. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, little kids, big kids, all kids. Like, because it's been hard rough. for adults. It's hard for adults so to let alone you know a teenage brain uh and uh, you know a young child's brain they're just supposed to be out in the world and they're supposed to learn by being out in the world and then then when that's taking away from you i mean i give it up to these kids you know it's like they they roll with it they deal with it but you know as a i'm like as an adult i'm not okay <laughs> And I have the vocabulary and experience and the agency and I still have my times where I wasn't okay. So we, it was a lot of talking. It's a lot of trying to understand because have you and I ever been through something like this? <laughs> no. <laughs> Has a lot of the people in the world been, have we been through something like this? No, it was about we, let's, let's grow and learn together. Like, what is this? How are you feeling? Like it's a check-in all the time. And you know, especially the past couple of episodes with my guests is we've, I said, low key grateful for this, you know, past administration and the pandemic because our people have been put in situations where we would have never known where they, where they were landed on the spectrum. Like, are you the one that's like, you're 
the pandemic's over because you're over it? <laughs> or, or are you like, no, I'm, I still care about others <laughs> and I want to be safe. So it's like that whole, it's like, okay, if this would, these things wouldn't have happened in succession like that, I would have never known. I would have been none the wiser and I would have just kept rolling hard. And now it's like, oh, now I know. So I love hearing that, you know, you did what you needed to do for you and you felt safe. And I'm sure in your gut was screaming like, I got to pull out. I got to pull out of this. Well, I was grateful that, um, you know, Asul and I were able to, um, as busy as he was, um, you know, most of it was over text messages. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I would, I would communicate with him. I'd reach out to him and be like, yo, um, you know, this is what it is. This is what we're doing. And as we got closer, I'm like, so he's like, yeah, man, like we, I had to switch I had to switch the whole game up and now everything has moved to the big stage and there's really, mm. you know, everything's been slated. So, it, you know, think the grand performances, the shows are promoted together. You know what I mean? You have your individual promotion as, you know, each show comes upon the date, but you know, they slate shows you know, there's general promotion in the beginning. There's, you know, huge flyers and posters and, you know, it lists, you know, people that are coming in the dates. And so, you know, they have a specific way that they promote. It's not like a club, you know yeah. what I mean? It's, it, it's a concert venue and a, and a performance venue. Um, and I was like, man. And so, you know, my partner, um, Mateo Sonolia, who, you know, we, we have like a little side project, Trinidad Sonolia, where we do like little cool kind of like, you know, lit house, deep house kind of vibe. And, you know, we put out some music over the years. So we were going to do a performance together. And then I had, you know, Jungle Fire. We're going to do a performance. And then um, Open Mike Eagle was going to close the show. But it was going to be like a super tight, intimate, like almost like acoustic mm. vibe as like a, 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 a triple, you know, set, um, you know, like a, like a little sunset vibe. And so that mm. was the initial idea. And so I was like, yo, man, like, like the tumbleweed has grown and we have to, we have to shift it got to be big i'm like ah i can't i can't do it because my partner was also like mm, i'm not comfortable so yeah. we just had to like i felt terrible you know i don't like as as a promoter and a, a, a you know concert producer and curator over the years i mean i've done plenty of shows put together plenty of shows and events i do not like being the guy that's like i can't do it but thinking about everything i'm just like you know what i'm not ready to like you know be around five thousand people you know, yeah. um, I, that, and that's just a personal preference. Yeah. You know, everywhere I go, I try to be outside. Like if I go eat or whatever, I mean, you know, last night, um, since I've walked away from radio and, you know, in that kind of like cooled off on like the whole DJ thing, um, I've done like two like private parties this year. One of them was last night. It was like a special event for uh, the fear of God brand. They're launching like a new loungewear series and they needed somebody to come out and play like strictly jazz vinyl. So Mm. my boy called me up and I'm like, yeah, of course, you know, I love Jerry, the founder. I love what they're doing. I'm like, I'm all in. Um, But you know, what's the money look like? And then what is the setup like? Please believe it. What's the safety precautions? Because the other party I did was like outside and I'm like, okay, cool. So last night was supposed to be outside but i get there and the plants had shifted so i had the inside so i was like ah <laughs> i mean it was fine you know it was it was a small enough group of people but it was like wow it's like it's crowded in here right now <laughs> yeah you know and look I, i'm i'm working on you know evolving my consciousness i'm working on like the deconstruction of my life it's you know negative patterns and cycles i'm going i'm finalizing a divorce I've also sort of, uh, you know, in, in a way, I don't want to call it a divorce because I think it, it frames it up in a, in a negative way. But, you know, I left KCRW, but that's also a lifelong relationship. That was a partnership, if you will. Yeah. So I'm looking at it like, OK, I'm, I'm, I'm going through two divorces. I'm like raising these kids to be adults, taking care of my elderly, you know, helping my elderly parents. Um, I'm basically sort of in this weird space right now where I'm, wor- I'm working on manifesting things that I want to come into my life. But the first part of that is becoming selfish with my time again, which is something that, you know, as a spouse and a parent, um, I haven't experienced that in so long that I have to like, you know, shake my brain up and be like, okay, you have to, you have to come up with a new routine. That's 
it's almost like I have to be in a relationship with myself. Please believe it. You know? Oh, like, for sure. I got to date myself. Yeah. <laughs> got to yeah. take care of myself. And I just haven't, I haven't really done that. And like, you know, let me see. Yeah. Like 20, over 20 years. You know what I mean? Like, so I don't even think that way. Like every, every, the way that I think, and you, you, you relate because you're a parent and, and, and forgive me because you and I haven't talked in so long. Are you and Rocka still rocking yeah. it? I mean, yeah. Okay. He says hello, by the way. <laughs> yeah. And please, he's, please. He's, he's putting a little man to sleep right now while I'm doing this. Can please give him a hug and a kiss for me. Cause he's I one will. of my ever and you guys together is like you know your inspiration Thank so you understand that because yes. family you know what i mean mm -hmm. but there comes a time where we have to like shed that identity of like mm -hmm. especially being a parent you know and get back to who we are as people as a person as a soul yeah. you know having having an experience so that like that's where i'm at like i'm reading some Eckhart Tolle right now. And I'm just like, I'm yeah. peeling back the pairs. It's a very kind of deconstructive period of my life. And it's a, it's a trip. I mean, it's, I feel like anyone who's a parent understands it, but I think on a deeper level, being a creative, that's another Absolutely. layer. You know what I'm saying? It's like, while I'm in it, <laughs> the past couple of years and even right now, it's like, what's my identity outside of being like, as a, as a mom, I had to put stuff on hold in a different way than, you know, Raka had to, do you know, it's just like, that's the dynamic of what was happening. And it's like finding that out. So I can, I can't even imagine the deep work that you are doing, just seeing like your Instagram and you're posting, like you're out in the desert or you're out at that um one uh, container place in the, in the, I know the company, I can't think of it right now, but you know, it's just like, oh, he's, he's, I didn't know exactly what you're going through, but I was like, he's in it. Like I could see it. Like I could see you were doing, um, the work. I, I, I barely, I mean, to is, be honest with you, I'm, I'm, I'm just starting. Like I barely started, you but know? I'm glad that you're there. I'm glad that you're there. You look amazing as always. And, um, uh, you. you know, I, I don't know what the right words are. I, I, I am sorry to hear that, you know, you're going through these different transitions, but I'm sure that, you know, you're, you guys are in a better place for it. And that, um, you know, I'm excited to see what happens with you in professionally and personally, you know, and, and I like the way you're talking, the way you're thinking. So it's, it's, I know you're just starting and you're deep in it, but as, as someone who's always been a fan of you as a person and what you do for the culture, what you've done, I'm excited for the new chapter. Like as soon as I saw that you were leaving and I was like, I don't know the motivations, but I'm excited for whatever, like you're always going to land wherever you need to land. And I think, you know, you've always been, you've always had like this, I don't know, like this deep grounded energy. I don't know how to, else to describe it. Like, I feel like you're always, I think you're similar to like rocket. Like you're always, you don't say too much, but when you say it, it's profound. And you're always thinking though, what's your sign? Are you a Gemini? <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Pisces. I forgot oh. my rock, but I think it has something to do with like my uh, other signs uh, because Pisces are, you know, move around and, you know, we're the, we're the dreamers and we're always dreaming up stuff and think overthinking stuff and a million ideas floating through our head. And so I think, I think that grounded energy is something that has to do with whatever, like, I, you know, and it's, I had my, um, my chart done like last year and, but I like forgot everything. I have it written down yeah. somewhere. It has something to do with like the different energies. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not deep off into astrology at all. Like I, yeah, me I, either. <laughs> I and I, be, I actually believe in it. I believe that there's, you know, that, that science is crazy to me. You know, once I really started to understand like the signs and the planets, I'm like, Whoa, this is like, mm -hmm. wow. Like personality type. Okay. This is like, this is like, okay, I can dig this, but I'm not like well studied if yeah. you will. Yeah. Same. You know, um, but I definitely appreciate it. And I'm, I'm learning a lot about myself as far as like being a Pisces and whatever my rising sign is and all that kind of stuff. And it just makes so much sense. Um, 
And I appreciate that. And I, I feel like, you know, Rock and I are like kindred spirits in that way. You know, when I, when I met him and we, I interviewed dilated and we talked and everything and I was just like, yeah, you know, this is like, you know, just one of those cats. Like we could, we relate on that level without even really communicating too much. You yeah. know? Um, I think yeah, old man. souls. I think you guys are, I feel like I'm an old soul. Our son is like, you guys been here before and before, you know, yeah. I think multiple times. And I think there's, I think that's where that groundedness comes from. Like you're knowing you've been here before. It's like, you're not first time, not, not the first time at the rodeo or something like I that. Agree. I agree you know? with that. I'm, I'm digging deeper into that. Like one of the things I'm going to do, like part of the work I want to do, I got a, a laundry list of stuff that I want to do. Um, but like, I want to get into past life regression. Yes. I think that that could hold the key to like, not just past traumas of this life, but you know, prior lives that I think, I think we hold on to as spirits. I, you know, I was talking to um, my lady about this um, recently. We'll, you know, we'll dive into these things and she's like almost 20 years younger than I am. And so we have these really interesting conversations because of like these different perspectives. Mm -hmm. Like we just, we see certain things that have weight to them uh, very differently. Like time as a construct, we have totally different perspectives about time. Um, But one of the things we were talking about was like suicide. Mm -hmm. And I saw there was a series, a documentary series, it's probably still on Netflix. It's called Surviving Death. And it's like six episodes. And it, it, it opened me up to something that I had thought about, you know, or think about every now and then in that you can't necessarily free yourself by taking your life because you carry it with you into whatever your next experience is going to be like it, like that's not, it's not a shortcut. And, you know, I, I don't have, I have an opinion about, you know, suicide. I, I don't think that it's ever the right thing to do. If I saw somebody trying to commit suicide, like I'd be like, mm, let's, you probably, let's not do that. There's, you could live another day and we could figure this out. You know what I mean? Like that's the kind of person I am. But then some people have a different perspective. Like, yo, you don't, you, you don't understand. You might not understand the level of pain mm-hmm. that the person is, is dealing with and experiencing. Um, but does that mean, you know, it's like, okay, cool. Like, do you like, I, I'm not there yet. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I haven't convinced myself that I would just be like, hands off. You got to do what you feel like you need to do. Cause I feel like you don't just, you don't have that shortcut. Like it's not, that's not real. Like you don't free yourself that easily. Yeah. And I think that's just divine common sense. You know what I mean, like yeah. you carry things with you. And so like past life regression, I feel like, okay, yeah, I want to dig into that because I feel like there might be some stuff that went on in prior lives or experiences or worlds that, you know, outweigh some of the stuff that I went through as a kid, you know, like some yeah. of the stuff might be deeper than that, you know? Yeah. I mean, cause I, yeah. you think about, I don't know if you've ever heard um, like epigenetics, you know, like the trauma is literally within the cells. Like my grandmother, my abuelita, when she had the egg of my mom in her, it already transferred that like scientifically backed. So like if it's in within the cells, it's within the energy. If it's and like, you know, uh, ancestral generational it for sure. Like it, it like I'm not whole tip about stuff like, but I be, like, it's a mix. It's like a mix of like scientifically back shit and a little bit of woo woo stuff. Like that's me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't go too much into over here, but I, it's, I feel like it's a mix. So that makes sense to me. You know, the, the past life thing, totally. I, you know, it's funny. Cause I spent, I spent some time when I was married, you know, in the church. Mm. Um, I grew up Catholic. Um, did you as well? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's you another know, level. <laughs> the Catholic childhood, right? I'm sure we have plenty of stories to share. Um, I'm with the Catholic school in the whole nine. It was a trip. Um, but you know, I got married and, and, you know, uh, my ex was, uh, a staunch born again Christian. And so, you know, wanting to be a good spouse and, you know, I, I did the deep dive and I took it upon myself to begin reading the Bible and, and, you know, attempting to decipher things. And immediately, you know, 
I caught wind and I wasn't really, I wasn't doing a deep dive into metaphysics, metaphysics per se, but around that time, you know, I'm a student of like, you know, hip hop, but conscious hip hop, I was paying attention to, Yeah. you know, I'm listening to NWA, but I'm also listening to, you know, Boogie Down Productions. I'm listening to KRS-One because he was studying metaphysics. He actually called himself by the time he was in his late twenties, a metaphysician. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm listening to what he's talking about. And so when I was reading scriptures and stuff, I'm like, this is all, this is metaphysical. Like this is all metaphysical stuff. And one, one of the scriptures I remember that points to what you're talking about in terms of the science of epigenetics is like, God says, you know, I will visit the sins upon the third and fourth generation. And that points directly to that. And I'm like, well, that's, that's what the, that's what the, the Bible's talking about. Yeah. You know, it's science. science. It's, all it is. Yeah. it's a trip. It, it's, it's, not, a trip. It's, it's not like, you know, this like religiosity that we can't figure out. It's like, oh, that's, this is what that means. Yeah. Everything is decipherable. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Yeah, it's a trip. So I'm definitely going to do that work. I'm like looking into like fascia work because like you pointed out, it's in the cells. And so that trauma actually gets crystallized in your body, you know, yeah. in, in your, your, you know, the, the muscle tissue and the cartilage. And it just gets in there hardened. So I want to like, you know, I want to get all that out. Yeah. You know? There's a, an amazing book that my therapist a couple of years ago when I started going to a therapist again recommend it and it's it's i recommend it all the time i talk about it almost in every episode it's called um the body keeps a score and there's an even longer name and it's by i'll, I'll say i'll send you the link I, i've heard about the book i haven't written it down send me a link please game changer do you yeah. know what i'm saying that yeah. one and this other one game changers because i was like oh makes all the sense in in the world um so let's 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 start, you know, like I always say on here, I, I have an amazing tribe of people uh, and this is a, a great way for me to reconnect. And then I get to learn things that I would, you know, we don't we'll say what's up at the at the event, at the party, at the club. You'll be spinning. So I can't really talk to you, you know, or whatever. So I don't get to know these little, you know, these little uh, trinkets of go of goodness. So. Hey man, like you and I are also kindred spirits. Like I remember when I first met you, I'm like, yo, this is my girl right here. I feel like this is my, like, like my cousin. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it was like, you know, I remember, I think, what was it? The first time we actually met face to face was at, was at the radio station in the basement. Yes. Right. Yes. At the old, cause you know, people, people listening, it's, they have a new place now, but yeah. So I wrote that down. I was like, I was trying to remember how we met Frank. I, w I was working for Frank. I was interning with Frank. Also, yeah. For the Unbound Project, yeah, Frank yeah. Sosa. Frank Sosa, if you're listening to this, come on, man. Come on the show. I want to talk to you. I want to reconnect. Um, and then I went there and I just, I don't know. I felt the same way. I was just like, I feel like I know him. And then I tell everybody, I was like, oh, and then I, it was so dope because you were so awesome. You made me feel so welcome. I think when you announced that you were boning out when you were leaving, I, just, I remember I posted that. I was like, wow. He like, he made me feel so welcome. I was new in the business, new in the scene, you know, just moved up to LA. I'd lived by myself. So I was going to all these things by myself and I was venturing into this music world and this hip hop world where everyone was like, be careful with the dudes, you know, and this and that. And you were just one of those solid dudes. You made me feel welcome. And then you gave me the honor of like recording. A, I don't know if you used it, but I felt it felt amazing just recording. Do you remember that? You were like, can you say chocolate city in spanish on the mm -hmm. mic i, I use all the all them joints as long as they was fresh i <laughs> i have them on like cassette somewhere that no whatever. way <laughs> yeah in the shoebox. <laughs> yeah, yeah man i felt i felt the same way so i'm happy to hear that you felt you felt it too i was just like i know him <laughs> yeah just good peeps just quality peeps also do you remember it was for Keeping in Time premiere. Mm -hmm. And you were like, hey, I, I wasn't known as Ritzy then. So you're like, hey, Marissa, da, da, da. you're like, uh, I want you to, do you know Raka? <laughs> do you remember that? Yeah. So it was like the party for Keeping in Time, which is an amazing doc. I'll have a link for that for everybody. Um, you know, uh, Mochila, uh, 
B plus Eric Coleman, the whole gang. It's amazing. It was the first one and it was uh, the party. So it, we were in the, I forgot what club it was at. And then you're like, Hey, you're like, come here. I want to introduce you. Do you know Raka? But Raka and I were already dating, but I told him not to tell anybody. Oh. <laughs> and so we pretended like we didn't know each other. We're like, Oh, hi, oh, nice to meet you. That, da, 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 da. I don't remember that, but that is something. <laughs> I love I love that story so much because I was just like, listen, I'm I'm a I'm a one of the only, you know, few females in the scene here in LA and I have to talk to GDs all around the world, like all around the country. I don't want people to think that I got a job because of you. I don't want people to think like it's tough out here. Yeah. You know, go listen to Mona Lisa's episode. Go listen to Rachel Ray Ramis's episode. Like rap game stories of a female in the rap game in the music biz. And so yeah. I was just like, don't say anything. I don't, he was, like, I, he was like, probably like, what? Okay. And I was just like, don't say, I don't want anyone to know. So when you came here, like here, I want to introduce you to rock. I was like, oh, hi, nice to meet you. <laughs> and then we laughed about it later. <laughs> That's fine. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so, love it. so Garth, where, where are you born and raised? LA? I was born um, in upstate New York. Because my parents were going to school back east. Uh, but they were both like, where's my mom born? They were born, they were, they were both raised in LA. Um, and they went away to school, had me. And they were, they were young and wild, you know what I mean? So my mom uh, left Pops back east and she came back to LA. And so she was working and I was like, you know, staying uh, with my grandma while she was at work and stuff. So those are some of my earliest memories. Um, but yeah, I bas- basically been in like, you know, South LA and then spent my like junior high and high school years uh, in the West Valley. But, you know, mm-hmm. kind of going back and forth because, you know, my dad came back to LA um, when he was done with school. And so, you know, I basically was in L.A. in the valley, in L.A. in the valley. I was just kind of like my stomping ground was over the hill, back over the hill, you know. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm just an L.A. city kid, basically. L.A. city kid. So because you can't think of L.A. music scene, you can't think of that certain era of, you know, um, electronic and hip hop without thinking of you. What was your first memory of music? Was it like your parents listening to their stuff? Like, what was that for you? Yeah. Um, I have, you know, like very sort of quiet, soft memories of like early childhood, like being a toddler and, you know, hearing a piece of music that I probably couldn't identify for you unless I was hypnotized or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, my parents, they were young. I mean, they had me in their early twenties. And so when I'm growing up in LA, these are, these are parents who are like in their mid to late twenties and they're like partying all the time. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you have kids, you just, and back then it was in the seventies, it was like house party central. You know what I mean? So you, <laughs> They throw in house parties and getting lit. And, you know, the kids is kind of like chilling in like the den or the upstairs or whatever. We, so we just letting them, they doing their thing downstairs and don't come downstairs. Like, <laughs> let's, you know what I mean? Um, so I, I, I was sort of raised on that like sound. And they, so they were playing like all their dance music was like funk and R and B, you know what I mean? Um, so I, I have memories of that, but one of my probably the most, powerful memory in terms of like an early music memory that like truly affected me. And I've told this story a couple of times. Um, we were up in the mountains somewhere. I want to say it was probably Big Bear. It could have been Mammoth. I don't know. But I remember it was cold and I had a jacket on and we were in the parking lot of some kind of like market. And this, it was either a Camaro. I think it was a Trans Am because I was into cars when I was little. And I think it was a Trans Am came in the parking lot, windows down, and all the way turned up was um, Genius of Love from um, Tom Tom Club. Mm-hmm. And I, was, I remember I was walking, and we were either walking toward or from the market, and I stopped. 
it was, this is, that song came out in like 81, 82. So I'm like seven, eight years old at the mm-hmm. time. And as soon as I heard it, it, it just, my whole, my brain, my body, my heart, everything was like, this is my world. <laughs> like, this is some, this is some, something otherworldly. And I, I immediately was just like taken mm-hmm. with that song. And it was like, wow, I was just blown away in that moment. So that's probably the, the most powerful, like early memory I had because it literally stopped me in my tracks. It was, and still remains like one of my favorite songs. And I think one of the most phenomenal, just like productions, you know what I mean? Because I'd never heard anything like that before, you know, and it's, it's set off so much that followed it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty sure that Tom Tom Club was heavily influenced by George Clinton. For sure. Um, they, they referenced James Brown in the song, but I know yeah. they were listening to Roger Zach. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. but they they had this European slant and they just did something different with, you know, the little vocalizations and the yeah. lyrics and the drop-ins and like the the James Brown. Like they would, it was like <laughs> yeah. it was, it was, it was something that I like to describe as bewitching. Yes. No. It is. And so where, when you hear it to, like, today, present day, do you autom- does it automatically take you back to that image you just painted for us? Do you want to support original content that supports diverse voices? Why not support Word to Your Mama? You're listening to it right now. Become a patron. Head over to patreon.com slash WTYM. There are four patron levels to choose from, including Good Looking Out, I'm Down, Hell Yeah, and Please Believe It. Benefits include patron shoutouts, exclusive patron-only content, and so much more. Head on over to patreon.com slash WTYM to take your support to the next level. Gracias. Ayuda a tus hijos y estudiantes a llegar más lejos. Aprende más sobre la beca nacional hacer de McDonald's. Desde 1985, McDonald's ha otorgado más de 33 millones de dólares en becas. Gánate una beca de hasta 100 mil dólares. McDonald's está dando 500 mil dólares en becas este año. Puedes ganar una de 30 becas. Hoy día, es importante seguir adelante y hacer más. A ayudar a estudiantes hispanos a hacer más que las generaciones anteriores. Hacer más de lo que se creen capaz. Hacer más de lo que pensaban que era posible. Por sí mismos, por su gente, por su cultura, por un mejor futuro. Para más información sobre la beca nacional Hacer de McDonald's, visita mcdonalds.com diagonal hacer. Aprende más. Hell yeah. And it still every, holds up. Every time. That's amazing because that's one of my favorites, one of my songs and one of the, I, I remember hanging out at my cousins at the summer and um, we were next to the crack house and we were having like summer outdoor parties and just doing things we shouldn't have been doing. But that song always takes me there. I was like, I don't know. 12 or something like it had already been out but like it was the first time I was able to experience it like in like face to face you know in like an outdoor party setting in this situation and I it's always immediately takes me to that moment and it's just like oh it gets me like on a, on a molecular level and just like yeah ugh. yeah molecular straight up yeah mm-hmm. love that song um so one thing we've never talked about, and I didn't know, and I don't know how I didn't know this, you went to Otis. Oh, I thought I thought we talked about that. Okay, yeah. No, you went to Otis <laughs> College of Art and Design. That's where I wanted to go to school, but I couldn't afford it. I couldn't go. So tell, let's talk about that shit. I got, I got lucky. Um, I got, I was able through my parents to get a bunch of loans and I got a couple of grants. And, um, I went 
I started in 95. I was able to skip foundation year, um, you know, because I'd been doing like night school and whatnot at like art center and, you know, other like art classes on the side trying to like, you know, get my portfolio developed enough to like, you know, skip foundation year because it was certainly a school that I, I was looking at going to. I also wanted to go to art center, but I felt like as much as I loved art center and what it was doing, there was a, a small voice inside of me that kept saying like, yeah, it's like, it's too corporate, <laughs> you know? And I'm not, I'm not a big corporate cookie cutter kind of guy, but I, I, I took classes there. I love the professors. I mean, you know, the teachers that were professors, teachers that were there, I guess there were some professors, <laughs> but the instructors that were there, um, that I studied under, um, but I, when I saw Otis and I started to meet people from Otis, I'm like, you know what? This is more like my vibe. And then um, I ended up like getting into a, a cool living situation that wasn't too far from there. And, you know, I couldn't really like, I felt like I couldn't move to Pasadena at the time. And I didn't want to commute every single day. Like it's just, yeah. so it, it just worked more in my favor to go to Otis. So I spent three years at Otis, graduated in 98. Um, but we were, we were that my class was there doing a, during a very tumultuous time. Um, there was a, a transient administration that was at Otis. And so the students in my class in particular were, we were, we were like known as the troublemakers because we were like, we're over here paying all this money and we don't feel like we're getting what we need to get in terms of like spending our time here. And I think in some of, some of the, the, the teachers from the past and even some of the alumni have told me that because of like our classes, my classes antics, a lot of things were set in motion that helped Otis kind of become what it is now. Mm. We made such a fuss. Like we were always banging on the door of the administration, like, yo, we need to, we need to take a meeting with you because we're concerned about this and we need that. And we're not getting this. And what like we're sitting here and our teachers aren't showing up and we're calculating the money we're spending mm. or we're gonna pay back. And like we're not getting what we need. You guys, even if you're not permanent here you still got to take care of your students. And we were at the time, I think the administration was more focused on like design. Mm. And we were like, my class was more focused on like illustration and like, you know, I remember one of, one of my friends was, you know, trying to get an animation. And mm. so it was more the illustration type thing that my class wanted to get into. And so we were kind of, we felt like we were being left behind. Mm-hmm. And so we we were like, you guys got to step your game up. And so we didn't necessarily get to experience that while we were there, but we fought for it. Um, so it was, you know, it was it was still a good time. I mean, it was Otis. It was, you know, being around a bunch of artists, philosophers all day, you know, doing cool stuff. It was it was great, you know. So were you. Because that's what you wanted to do or was it music or both or where were you headspace wise uh-huh. at that time? I um, flirted with the idea of being a DJ, but all my life I've been a visual artist. That's what I did. I was known for that. I was the I was the cool kid in school because I could draw. You know, you remember that? You remember, oh, you could draw. Like, draw me something. You know, I was that. I was that kid. You know, I was like the high school newspaper cartoonist, and I started like a little airbrush business. I did not after know any of this, Garth. This is amazing. The Bell video that came out. Remember the poison video when Michael Bivens had the overalls on with the yeah. airbrush graffiti? Yeah. Oh, so I was living in the valley, and so that be, that started to become a trend. Yeah. But they didn't have any like graffiti artists in the valley. Yeah. That were doing airbrush work like that. Not really at the time when it started. So kids would take their like denim jackets and overalls to like the swap meet in the valley. Yeah. yeah, But those guys were like heavy metal airbrush artists. So the kids would come back to school wearing these like weird graffitied up (laughs) this gear. And I'm like, that ain't right. So what you guys come to, I'll do it. Come to me. So I begged my parents. They went in, got me an airbrush. I commandeered the garage and I spent all weekend in the garage, like airbrushing people stuff up. Like that's what I was doing. Amazing. In high school. It was fun. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> that was my thing. I wanted to get into, you know, film production, like as a, a set artist and designer, I wanted to design, you know, costumes and characters. Like I wanted to be one of the illustrators for like animation, film, 
like, but on the development side, like storyboard, like I wanted to get into that. But while I was at Otis, because I was a music lover and I was being immersed, having moved back to LA into the music scene, it, ultimately that, that won my heart. So yeah. even though I went through school and completed school, I, you know, by the time I graduated from Otis, I had Chocolate City. Oh, got it. Because I, I got on the air um, in 96 and I had like a late night weekend shift. Matter of fact, for a minute, I had like Saturday and Sunday from midnight to three um, while I was in school. And But by the time I graduated, like in 98, I was already on the air five nights a week. No, So wonder. that kind of like really hindered my progress as a student at Otis. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't do my, I didn't do my best work because all of a sudden I'm like eating up music yeah, and being out and meeting people. Like, so it, I was torn, you know, that makes sense because I wasn't, I didn't move up because I graduated from Long Beach. I didn't move up till it was like 90, maybe 99. And then I think 99 maybe was when I started doing the stuff and started because I, I moved up to K-Town by myself. And that's when I started. That's when I was doing that stuff. And I was entering at the wake up show. And so like you were like deep. in. So I was like, oh, he's been everyone's like, oh, guard training, you know, because I was in college. I wasn't paying attention to that. I was like, you know, trying to survive. So I wasn't, you know, so I wasn't really knowing. But like. I heard of you. I heard of the show. But when I got to and I started like being in the scene, I was like, oh, he's they're like, he's been doing that for. So I just just thought DJ, you know, but creative. What what I like to do to to make sure people understand here is that the nonlinear career path, but also creative is a creative. Right. So, you know, you could be do it. You know, of course, that makes sense. It's not like what you used to. I wasn't like what you used. You you're an illustrator. It was more like I didn't know you went. That was like part of your path too, you know, because if yeah. you're creative, you're creative with that, whatever. It's like, it doesn't matter the medium. It doesn't matter the process. If you're a creative, you're a creative, yeah. but that's amazing. Um, I, do you still saw, do stuff? Um, that's one of my goals. Yeah. Like I was referring to goals. Um, you know, it, it, as a creative, you know, it takes, it takes discipline because you have to immerse yourself in that space. It really is like, um, almost like practicing a certain level of detachment from, you know, the things that sort of distract us in the world, um, yeah. you know, going to do a zone. I mean, uh, you know, I, every once in a while I've done over the, over the years of the last, you know, <laughs> since I got into radio and DJing and kind of left that visual space, um, done a couple of pieces of work, you know, some paintings or whatever. I've actually posted a couple of things on my, my IG. Um, but that it's a goal. It's a goal to just start to draw every day. And I haven't been able to do that. Like I, there was a spurt where a friend of mine and I started to like share pictures every day. We would like do a sketch and like mm. text back and forth to try to keep each other accountable. But <laughs> You know, she busy, I'm busy. So we did it for a little while. And then it was like, you know, all right, we'll, we'll get back to it at some point. But ultimately it's like, that's part of what I'm, what I'm referring to when I say I have to like recalibrate my whole way of thinking into yeah. creating a space for my creativity. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I decided like I needed to get a divorce. Like mm -hmm. my, my creativity, the creative spark, I could feel it. It was, it was like going out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if you're going to be in a relationship, it the relationship itself should serve the creative spark, not not be a hindrance to it. And ultimately, it's not that's not about putting responsibility on the other person at all. This is about the self. It's the about yeah. the know about the awareness, you know. Yeah. And just, I aware. just earlier today and I haven't finished the episode, I was listening to a podcast with Amy Sherald, the artist that did um, uh, Michelle Obama, the famous, right? And she was talking about, she has an amazing story in general and she doesn't really do these things. So it's awesome to hear her talk about her journey and stuff. But she was saying like, she 
was not in any relationship. Like she feels that she wouldn't be where she's at today. Finding her voice, finding her style, all these things to where she's at now. She didn't find it until she was like 30 something, 36 or something. And she doesn't feel she would have gotten to that space if she had been in relationships. Now Mm -hmm. she's with, she has a partner, the love of her life. And she's like, she made a joke. She's like, can we just like split up for like two months? Cause I got these deadlines because you want to be, to be, I feel like I was in my best zone, you know, and I love the supernatural bear, you know, the son, my son, our son and stuff like that. I love him to death. And he's a mirror. As you know, these children are, these little humans are mirrors and, you know, I'm a better person for it. But, you know, when I was able to just, you know, people don't understand whether it's music, if, if it's visual or anything, you're writing. A big part of the process is that like milling around, like, you know, the marinating stage, the, the, you know, where people on the outside looking in would be like, they're doing nothing. No, no, no. That's part of the process. And when you are stretched in so many directions, the essence of you, you know, is, you know, the parent, the, the partner, the, the, like, you know, I think that's why Rock and I work so well pre, you know, having our little humans because we were that Venn diagram of like my own thing, his own thing. We only overlapped a little bit. So I felt like I could do whatever. Three o'clock in the morning, the dead time, I was like my best creative thing, you know, all that stuff. And I could do all that. But then it shifts, right, when you become a parent. So I, I get it. And I feel like, it's ex- this is even more exciting because you know you're 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 peeling the layers you're doing these deep dives Garth and then you're going to start get you have the space now I feel like you know right like the bandwidth and the spiritual space to to explore and find out what it's going to be and it yeah. might not be pretty in the beginning but it's going to be coming out and it's therapeutic like the zone I miss getting in that zone you know where it's like, oh shit, it's been six hours. <laughs> I didn't know, but I was able to be in that six hours because I didn't have to cook for nobody. I didn't have to do, 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 do you know what I mean. So I'm excited yeah. for you, Garth. I'm like s- super excited. Okay, yeah. so I want to talk about. I, I I just I love music so much. Of course, that's why you know I went to school for art, but I went into the music industry, and then it shifted, and I went to both things, but. Whenever there's a show that's, I love TV as well. Whenever there's a show and it's, you know, the music's on point. I'm just like, who the, who's the music supervisor? Immediately, who's the music supervisor? So I'm going to mention some names. You probably know them personally, but like on um, Euphoria in Atlanta, Jen Malone, crazy skills, white. Uh, Kyer Lehman for Does Insecure. Amazing. White. Reservation Dogs, Tiffany Anders. Amazing. Also, she's amazing because she responded to me. I was like, what is that track? That opening track? Have you seen Reservation Dogs yet? No. Ugh. Yeah. You're gonna, okay. You're gonna laugh and you're gonna cry. And it's like we've been needing something like this. It's one of my favorite shows that's come out. There's that one, I, I didn't know who it was. I knew it was Yasin Bey, but I was like, what, what is this mix? Is it a mix? And she was like, I go, what's that, the, the, the pilot, the intro track? And it's by Hallucination, yes, with guest starring Yasin Bey, Narsi, and Black Bear. It's called Red. It is amazing. <clears throat> Tiffany Anders, white. So all my favorite shit, right? So you're a music supervisor, and I didn't know that you did music supervision for Entourage. How did that come about? And have you seen, I mean, this, these are people that are currently for these shows that I love, and they're white. Where, where, where are more people like you? Where are the people of color? What's happening here? Um, I appreciate that. I, I, I would say that I've done music supervision, but I, I, don't, I don't, I stopped calling myself a music supervisor because I don't like doing music supervision ah well there it is i learned how to do it through you know um a mentor of mine who's like one of the you know most successful phenomenal music supervisors in the last you know 30 some odd years or whatever 40 years his name's g mark roswell 
Um, people call him Gilly, but you know, he's, he's worked with the best. He's worked with the Denzels and he's, you know, he's worked mm-hmm. with like the biggest names all these years and he does a great job and he's white, you know, but, yeah. um, once I learned that like music supervision really is, it requires a certain temperament. It requires, um, a lot of time. It, it, I respect any good music supervisor because I understand how much time mm-hmm. it takes to, to get that song, to clear that song, to create that song, get it synced up. Like it, it, whoo, like I much prefer the role of being a consultant <laughs> than a supervisor just because just look, I'm, I'm a creative and I have other creative stuff I want to do. And I know that being a music supervisor, not, 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 you know, comparatively, I feel like music supervisors are like, in a way, they function almost like attorneys have to function, like the level of, of grind, you know, like it's just a lot of work and a lot of attention to detail. So creatively speaking, you have to have a vision. You got to be able to communicate with the producers, with the director. You know, you got to have relationships. Of course, you got to have that. It's almost like you're, you're a mix of A&R, you're a mix of attorney, you're a mix of DJ. Like you got to, you got to have a knack for like, you know, putting sonic to visual. You know what I mean? You have mm-hmm. to, you have to feel it, not just see it, but you have to see it here in a way that's like, you got to have a magic about you. Like, oh, this is going to, this is going to work here. And then the attention to detail stuff is like, would this person be playing this in their car at this time? Or if we walk into this bar or this club or this restaurant or this shop or this elevator, does this make sense? Mm. So it's, it's, it's a lot of detail. So do I like music supervising? Yes. But do I want to do it? Hell no. Like (laughs) I, I, I learned early on that that's not my temperament. Like to, to do that full, it requires full time attention that's just not want to be so people call me up like yo you down to music supervisor i'm like nope (laughs) (laughs) i love it but um if you need a consultant like holler at me if you need me to put you together with some people like let me know yeah but um like the entourage story um it was uh gary calamar who, you know, who's, I think he has a show. He left KCRW a few years ago. Um, just a, just a killer ear for like good, you know, pop music that's not mainstream. And he, mm-hmm. he, 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 he understands that there's like a connective tissue with like pop music from all around the world and all genres from like, you know, going way back to the present. And he just, I've always admired and appreciated Gary's ears. He was, you know, he's one of the, the KCRW OGs, mm. you know, that really helped shape the sound of the station. And then he left and he's over, I think he's over at, at, uh, KCSN. I think he's at CSUN's mm. station, which I think is where, where Nick Harcourt is as well for the morning. Oh. I think, I think they're at CSUN. Um, but don't quote me <laughs> <laughs> all the, all the left of the doll radio, but it's still confusing. <laughs> um, but you know, I listen to all of them. Um, you know, switch back and forth. Anyway, so Gary, who was a DJ at the time at the station, who was basically, I consider a friend of mine, um, was approached by um, Lori Nimhauser, who was the line producer at Entourage. Uh, they were moving into their, moving out of their, they were in their third season, moving into the fourth season, and they wanted to switch up the music. Um, they had a small music supervision firm that was like really deep into like pop and mainly hip hop. Like that was their whole vibe. So that's kind of like what the viewers were getting for the first three seasons of Entourage was like music that was going to help sell the show mm-hmm. you know I mean? like hits. And then like, you know, uh, Doug Allen, who was the creator of the show, he would, he would want to have like, like a classic rock song for the end credits. So it was, it, it that was like the Entourage formula. You know, yeah. so third season are coming out of Lori's like, you know what we need to, we need to spend less money, on, less money on the music. And we want more interesting music. Mm-hmm. We want like something more realistic, something more underground, something more raw. Like, you know, we need to have some supervisors come in that can really put like plug us into like independent bands, 
and like indie rock and like classic funk and like 90s hip hop, like just mix it up. Yeah. So Gary's like, you, you, let me holler at Garth. Shooby do. Yeah. There you have it. That's the end of part one of Garth Trinidad. And we'll get into part two next week so he can finish telling his story of being a super music, super music visor. What is that? <laughs> music supervisor for Entourage. Uh, so look for part two next week. And as always, we reap. Word to Your Mama is owned and produced by Ritsi P. Intro Beat, produced by Nico Beats. If you want to know more, you want to email us, you want to get the media kit, go head over to wordtoyourmama.com. Word to Your Mama is now part of the Latina Podcasters Network. And as always, Word to Your Mama is brought to you by ritsiperiwinkle.com.